Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome into episode 58 of Kayfabe Council, the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me, as always, is the good brother, TF Joker. Joker, what's crack, man? What's going on? Oh, you know, not much, PT. Just recovering after my, uh, my weekend away last weekend, and coming back and catching something that, uh, has knocked me for six. So if my voice does sound a little bit uh, strange this week, then that is the reason why. It is no filters. It is just I have been coughing for the last while, and uh, my throat does not like me for it. Fair play. I know we had a week off in terms of the scheduling of the show. So we were, Joker was away doing some things. I was uh, spending time with uh, some family and doing some stuff. So all good glad to have you back unfortunately seems that you're a little under the weather always remember folks for our listeners and our watchers remember to hydrate as well because it's the summertime remember to take care of yourself do all the things that you would normally do of course but appreciate you you're in good spirits at least to come and just speak some wrestling bollocks with me and uh, appreciate you hanging tough my friend I mean, always, always game to talk some, uh, talk some wrestling bollocks. You know what I mean? Like, there's always some bollocks to be chatted about whenever uh, such fun segments like we've got planned for today exist in the world of wrestling. Especially after we, uh, well, I missed uh, Money in the Bank live, which would have been fantastic. But you know, I did manage to drunkenly spoil everything for myself by being on Twitter. Fantastic. I said to myself, okay, after this time, turn Twitter off. Nope, I sat there that night on Twitter going, oh, wow, cool, cool. Oh, maybe I should stop doing this. Uh, yeah, so um, fantastic. But, but everything that I saw, I was like, we're, we're probably going to want to talk about some of this stuff. So I'm, I'm hyped to be uh, chatting some more wrestling bollocks. Oh, for sure. Some of the topics we'll get into have been affected by what occurred at Money in the Bank. So yeah, we'll end up touching on a few of those things. And it's crazy, man. Social media, whether you do it purposely or by accident, rea- reactions. Whether you're watching a live show, whether that's wrestling or, or other sports or just television in general, or movies for that matter. Man, you got to stay off. You got to be like almost no internet access if you purposely do not want anything spoiled on purpose or by accident. Oh yeah, I was just drunkenly doing it, <laughs> completely oblivious to my own uh, to my own detriment. At that point, I was like, "Oh yeah, cool, that such and such happened." I'm like, "Oh yeah, money in the bank, turn that off." And I, then I went back to it twenty minutes later, going, "Oh yeah, money in the bank, turn that off." Yeah, I'd maybe had a few beers by the time that had went on. So eventually, I I, I stopped myself and I did turn off uh, the phone. But uh, you know, that was. Uh, the damage had already been done. Yeah, it's all good. It's just the nature of where we are at in society with media, social media, just kind of how we are. So it is what it is, but we'll get into a few of those things here on this episode. So join us. Let us know what you think as well. All right, before we get into the episode proper, we here at Kayfabe Counselor Satin to hear the passing of Darren Drozdov. Our thoughts are with his family, friends, and fans at this time. 
All right, as a reminder, you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash Council and in audio form wherever you get your podcast from. On this week's episode, we look at Fractures in the Judgment Day, Shayna Baszler turns on Ronda Rousey, MJF Adam Cole partnership, and the trial of the tribal chief Roman Reigns. So, coming up first. Fractures in the Judgment Day. At Money in the Bank, Damian Priest won the eponymous ladder match and now holds the briefcase. At the same pay-per-view, Finn Balor unsuccessfully challenged Seth Rollins for the World Heavyweight Championship. The ending of said match marred with a bit of possible dissension as Priest made his way to ringside. And as Finn was setting up for a coup de grace, Priest stood up and approached the ring, which distracted Finn. Finn misses the attack from the top rope, which leads to Seth hitting the stomp and retaining the championship. On Monday Night Raw, after being goaded into a match with Dominic Mysterio, we end up seeing the finish of said match, sees Seth about to hit the stomp on Dominic, but Priest comes in, hits the South of Heaven on Rollins for the DQ. Post-match, we see a beatdown on Seth by both Priest and Dominic. After Dom hits Rollins with the briefcase and throws him into the stairs, Dom encourages Damien to cash in on a vulnerable Seth Rollins. Before he can do so, Finn Balor arrives to attack Rollins, blindsiding Seth and inadvertently knocking Seth into Damien Priest. As Finn climbs to the top rope, Damien interjects asking what Finn is doing. Both men argue over the other seemingly costing them their chance at winning the title. After Seth hits a pedigree on Dominic, Raw ends with Rollins watching as Finn and Damien continue to argue with each other and Rhea consoling a fallen Dominic. So Joker, there were some seeds sown before Money in the Bank with allusions to possible tensions within the Judgment Day, specifically Finn and Damien here. The last thing we see on Raw are the championship aspirations driving a wedge between the Judgment Day. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that people like to use as a, a sort of a crutch to drive a wedge uh, whenever we, we do have these factions that are perfectly balanced, as all things should be, as the man Thanos once said, that we just have this kind of thing going on um, where this one individual, Finn, is challenging for the title, and this other individual, uh, Damien, has an opportunity beforehand to maybe get, you know, maybe even take that title from him. And, you know, Damien showed some respect to uh, to Seth, and that was all well and good, but it didn't sit well with Finn, and we saw the cracks start to form, or what we believe are cracks. Now, whenever we were talking about potential winners of the money in the bank, uh, briefcase, I was heavily on the side of uh, LA Knight. I'm still on the side of LA Knight should have won because I'm a big LA Knight fan. But I, I can see really good potential for long-term division within the Judgment Day. Now that Damien has this uh, briefcase, now, now known as Senor Money in the Bank, congratulations, we'd love to see it. Um, that It's just one of those things that I look at and go, 
actually, even though I would have preferred that decision, for long-term storytelling within a faction that has actually done really well over this last year, this is a reward not just for Damien. This is a reward for everybody's hard work. Like, we've got Finn, and we've got Rhea, and we've got Dom Dom. Like, it's, 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 a, it's an even brighter spotlight just shone on the Judgment Day. And we've seen what can happen when you shine that spotlight onto a faction and give them, give them that story and give them the ability to tell what they need to tell in the bloodline. Like we're, we're seeing the culmination of three years of, of story, everybody calling it cinema with the bloodline. We could get more cinema out of the Judgment Day just with this briefcase because, you know, we're, are we going to see the civil war are we going to see reconciliation are we going to see the drifting apart are we going to see whatever's happening um so i'm i'm actually really excited plus we had a really really good um match between damian priest and bad bunny and that match that we we lauded that should have went on last in that pay-per-view didn't and this is another reward i feel for damian priest's outstanding performance in that so I'm okay with him getting the briefcase. I just don't want them to drop the ball with how they play off of Finn and Damien. I want, I want them to sort of make sure that the Judgment Day sticks together up until Damien's successful or unsuccessful cash-in, only for Finn to maybe play that hype man and be like, yeah, you did it, you did it, and like, give me a shot. And then for them to go on and for Damien to put Finn down and then for Finn to maybe have a little bit of a bit of an inner crisis kind of thing again, only to come back and eventually win it. It'll be fun to see how they pull all this off. But like I said, it, it is a really interesting sort of aspect because it's a reward, first and foremost. and the only people who can mess this up are not the four people in the Judgment Day. It's the people here in the decision-making chairs, and I really hope they don't. Agree. That's a really good observation. Made me think of these guys have been running hot, especially in this calendar year. There was a behind-the-scenes short video, I believe on WWE's YouTube, just about Money in the Bank and a little bit of footage there. And there's a very small moment in the middle of it where Rhea's just saying Damien's finally getting his flowers, that he didn't get a chance to be on WrestleMania. He did get that big high-profile match on Backlash with Bad Bunny, and he's getting his due. And by many accounts, there is a lot of people that have Damien Priest held in high regard, sort of backstage and with that. And honestly, you don't get the briefcase if people don't think highly of you. So it's nice to see that we have Rhea as the women's world, I almost said women's world heavyweight championship, but she's the world champion there. Dom's just getting reactions. Uh, they could do with a little bit of toning down the piped-in booze and letting the crowd actually react, but he's still getting reaction. Finn's just being a maniac right now. We always love us some Finn. And Damien's, get, like you said, getting his, getting his flowers now. So a lot of folks are 
really high on this faction. They've been doing a really good job. They've been featured on media a lot. So, I mean, yeah, I think, I think it was one of those where the reaction for the Money in the Bank ladder match, everybody, LA, excuse me, London was pulling for LA Knight, but to be a heel and to have an appropriate kind of thing work with Damien being kind of who he is, a little bit of that more heel character, not quite a face, but or anything like that. Briefcase usually works better with heels, but yeah, I feel like every once in a while when you add the wrinkle into something or a faction, it adds interesting elements, and we're seeing that now with the Judgment Day here. Yeah, I mean, back whenever in the in some of our earlier episodes, we were talking about the Judgment Day and how I wanted it to be used as a platform to elevate everybody. And we already saw that first element. We talked a lot about Rhea Ripley and how I wanted her to be elevated to women's champion. That has happened. And it's actually been really good that she did this within the Judgment Day. And that's why I want that trend to continue. So I want Damien to be successful in any cash-in he does. I'm hoping it's a mainline title. I'm hoping it's either Seth or it will not be against the Roman title, but you know it's definitely going to be against the Seth title. So it's just one of those that you look at it and you go, I like the idea. But also, how do we execute this and how do we make this fun and interesting and that sort of dynamic of keeping the family together but also causing some strife? And not so long ago, there were rumors about adding in a new member to the Judgment Day. And we don't know who that is, but that's fine. We don't, I don't, at this point, I'm not kind of speculating. But that rumor, coupled with the fact that we can see cracks between Finn and Damien, means that Finn could challenge Damien after he successfully cashes in and then get replaced because he loses and then have a reason to try and fight to get back in the Judgment Day or get back at the Judgment Day. There's so many avenues to really interesting stories that this briefcase is affording us because otherwise it's just a case of well now how do we get these guys a title shot and it's not something that i thought of before because well i i I just really like the dynamic of the judgment day being Rhea's sort of evil henchman (laughs) it's kind of like it went by me whenever i was like oh yeah they're they're literally just Rhea's evil henchman here at this point and i was okay with them continuing with that um and the, the the one last thing that I think is uh, is a really interesting sort of uh, talking point. The reason people were sort of poo pooing the idea of LA Knight is because the man's forty years old, is in his forties. Damien Priest is three months older than LA Knight, and nobody had any qualms with Damien Priest getting that that briefcase. So. To me, the age was never a thing. And it was more a case of, like, how do we keep this away from LA Knight? I honestly think that in the long run, it will be proven that they did the right thing for the wrong reasons. I just kind of wish people would be like, this guy's getting over organically. It's not the first time, it won't be the last time. This guy's getting over organically. 
we should push him, we should do things with him. This, this being LA Knight, of course. But that's not to take away from the guy who has been plugging away and has done the hard work for the last year. Uh, well, specifically the last year. He's been doing hard work for his entire blooming career, don't get me wrong. But it's being noticed on a grander stage in this last year has been upward trajectory. So it's one of those you look at and you go, this has been on a long, slow simmer. We kind of forgot about it. We should reward him for being such a good unit. Reminds me of that Randy Savage quote, the cream will rise to the top. So always talented folks in LA Knight or Damian Priest when they're getting cheered and they can overcome potential bad bookings and still become successful. So I'm uh, fair. I'm going to go ahead and agree with you on that. But in your piece, you mentioned a couple things that I wanted to touch on. That the tension between Finn and Damien, you know, after a year in the faction, this potentially might lead to a little bit of a small rivalry between the two. I had to look it up here. Last time Finn and Priest were on opposite sides of a match, you have to go back to Hell in a Cell 2022. Of last year, where Edge, Priest, and Rhea Ripley took on AJ Styles, Finn Balor, and Liv Morgan. And then the last one-on-one -on -one match took place on May 9, 2022 episode of Raw, where Finn defeated Priest by DQ. This was leading into that Hell in a Cell triple, excuse me, mixed tag match. But real quick on that specific piece, would you be interested if this led to a match between the two once again? It would all depend on how they build towards it. If they yeah. just kind of go together, like, oh yeah, I'm super angry at you for costing me this, like, uh, basic mustache twirling villain kind of stuff right there. It's a bit basic. But if we kind of build towards it and, you know, the, the, the animosity, uh, it, and you can see it happening and we expect the match to happen, but it's still not happening and then it happens, that's how I'd like to see the match go. I'd be okay with another match, but I don't want them. I don't really feel at this point that there's a, a need for any more than even one match between them. It's not as if we've built up a sort of heated rivalry. That's something that they need to do. So if I start getting like about a million house show matches and I hear that Finn is fighting Damien for no reason, I'm like, boy, this is doing too early. This can't. Kindly calm down and go away. That's usually the indicator if you're doing some house show matches. You're prepping for a televised match, so we'll keep an eye on that. But there's another piece that you touched on as well, and we've heard this with Imperium, but also with Judgment Day, potentially changing up the faction a little bit. It's one of those that, with a match between Finn and Damien, could spell a departure, perhaps, of one of these guys. We've heard off and on at nauseum about changing up groups, but I recall a couple weeks ago, and now at this point, maybe a month and change or so ago, Finn reconnecting with J.D. McDonough, and that's a blast from his past, also from Bray County Wicklow. Uh, Finn also helped train J.D. when uh, they were coming up as well. Would you consider changing up the formula would be good for these guys in the faction or do you see this potentially as a detriment 
it would be good. And I had to think there for a second because we I'm going to use the bloodline as sort of the basis for a long-term stable in recent history where things have went well and with how we have changed things and how we've done things. Um, we added in the Sami element, which added in a, a much-needed boost and sort of gave everything about the bloodline that we currently know its legs. Because it was kind of, it was floating along, it was carried along by the fact that Roman was champion. People were sick of him. As much as you kind of want to say, oh, he's the champion, I love him, Roman Reigns is the best, I've never been tired of him. No, you lie. And I know you lie, because nobody wanted him as champion anymore in like 2022. It was boring. And PT and I have both sat here and, you know, chatted, you know, so much bollocks about it. But the only thing that kept that together was Jey Uso and Sami Zayn. And look at who's at the top of the bill right now. Face to face against Roman Reigns. It's Jey Uso. He's being rewarded for his chops. I think, yes, if we can change things up, and we add in, take away, we, we divert, we do whatever, it has to make sense to the unit. Um, I feel like if you just take... Finn out and don't replace him or you just you know bring in somebody who doesn't give Finn any competition or doesn't challenge him in any in any way uh in any way I can almost speak um then you're sort of not building on the team you're just kind of doing things for doing them and uh, I think that's one thing that if we need to sort of jump start or push things up a wee bit of a hill then that's how we do it um but we just need to look at what has worked before with other things and manipulate it and make sure it kind of fits into what we're doing with this uh with this situation right now and the the, the briefcase like i said before is is a definite big shot in the arm for uh building something from nothing i'll go ahead and agree with you on the nature of if we're going to change the formula a little bit have it make sense maybe not be random if it's if it's a fin breaking away and aligning with folks to maybe hold a grudge or something or if it's like you randomly mentioned if it's a damien with the tension and him and he fails and they're just like all right well you know he kind of breaks off as long as it makes sense with the whole and folks can kind of grow from it then I'm all for it, but just maybe not do it to not do it, essentially. Yeah. I mean, like you, you brought up JD McDonough. Like, if we're going to do something and we bring in a JD, like, I'm okay with that um, in terms of the link that those two have, but have JD be friends with Dom Dom, you know, being a bit of a, because he's a bit of a sleazeball. He's, he's not one of the people that, uh, you know, people like. He's, uh, the Irish is yes, a hundred percent, but um, he's also a bit of a tool bag, and uh, you just look at him and you go, "I really want to punch that guy in the face." So you pair him more with Dom Dom, but then he kind of starts to rub on Finn, and even though those two have a bit of a history, they would work really well together. Uh, so I feel like that would give them then a bit of a a bit of a jump start as well. So if that's how we're gonna do it, I feel like he's 
pretty much the only one you can kind of get away with right now. Um, there are other individuals that are just kind of earmarked for other things uh, that would fit, but I don't think would make sense. Like you've got your Grayson Wallers, uh, you've got your uh, your Austin Theories, but again, bit of a history there. Um, we've got uh, we've got the the lovely tag team of Pretty Deadly. You know these these kinds of individuals, these cocky individuals. That's the kind of thing you need, and that's where your mention of J.D. McDonough kind of puts that into my head that he would be the perfect fit. Um, but yeah, it definitely still has to make sense. You can't just shoehorn it in for no reason. Agreed. It's one of those where if it makes sense, then the fans will buy in. Also, chemistry is a hard thing to do, and by many accounts, those four folks in the judgment day have really good chemistry together and support one another so that and that comes off on the television show and it's one of those things judgment day my last point on this particular instance is judgment day has a particular aesthetic so not everybody is going to fit in so a lot of those things combined make it not the easiest thing to have almost anyone join so it has to be a particular person for the right reason. Yeah, you're not you're not gonna have uh you're not gonna have somebody like Liv Morgan be able to join just straight off rip because very bubbly, not exactly there, not exactly their aesthetic, like you said. But uh yeah. Yeah. We'd have to change some things, but hey, you know, so you can make it work. The uh, last point on this particular topic here is the fact that man, judgment day, they're a year, a little over a year or so into their uh, formation, but Man, they've been getting a push. They have been heavily featured on WWE programming. So I did a little research here. At least one member of Judgment Day has been featured on every pay-per-view or premium live event this year. And the last time a member of the Judgment Day was not featured on a match on a Monday Night Raw was April 3rd's episode after WrestleMania most famously known for Vince McMahon completely changing the show's plans. However, they were featured in a segment on that show, which saw Dominic beat down his father Ray post-match against Austin Theory. Bad Bunny at ringside took exception to this, which was ultimately attacked by Dominic and Damian, then led to the Priest and Bad Bunny match at Backlash in Puerto Rico. So, they are always on Raw, at least one of them's always featured on a premium live event or a pay-per-view. They're in a high-profile spot in WWE, and on Raw for that matter, so I appreciate that. It doesn't feel as though they're being shoved down our throats, but they are certainly featured quite a lot, which is a good balance for the audience. They have said before, I think it's actually Rhea that pointed it out, that they run Monday nights. Uh, in a promo like a few months ago and i was like do you though and then i kind of started thinking about it and like yeah they've been pretty prominent throughout uh raw cards um that uh, that just kind of make you look at it and go oh yeah no they have been they've been really consistent yeah it's been good yeah so by many accounts like we've talked about it in this segment here featured a lot these Four folks are executing well. They have really good chemistry. 
Rhea's got a championship. Dom's been featured. Finn's been getting in some crazy good matches. Damien now has the briefcase. Folks are high on this faction in WWE. And by many accounts, whether you're getting booed or you're getting cheered from various members of the crowd, these guys are getting a reaction, and that's good for business. So glad to see all these guys getting appreciation, getting some spotlight, getting some time on the shows. You love to see it. 100%. All right, so are there fractures in the Judgment Day? Perhaps it begs to be seen. But let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what your thoughts are on the Judgment Day. Are there fractures? Are things about to change? Let us know how you feel. All right, the next topic here. Shayna Baszler turns on Ronda Rousey. At Money in the Bank, Shayna Baszler shockingly attacks Ronda Rousey mid-match, ultimately leading to Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez to reclaim the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship. On Raw, Shayna confronts Ronda on why she turned on her. Shayna says she speaks for everybody when she says nobody wants to hear Ronda talk, and Rousey demands an explanation. Shayna calls Ronda narcissistic and claims that she's the only reason Ronda is even standing in a WWE ring right now. The only thing she owes anybody is an apology for bringing Rousey into the business. Ronda asks why not say something before costing them the tag titles they worked for. Baszler says she didn't see Ronda help build rings for shows with 30 people. And she didn't see Ronda at her tryout because, unlike Rousey, Shayna paid her dues. She scratched and clawed to get here while Ronda waltzed straight into WrestleMania. Shayna owes Rousey the sobering reality that there's someone who can finally shut her up. And then Ronda kicks Shayna off the apron and they brawl on the floor. Back inside, we get a sleeper hold. Shayna reverses into an ankle lock, but Ronda crawls to the ropes. Baszler uses the rope for leverage, but Rousey kicks her away. And Shayna then charges in and blasts Ronda with a kick to the side of the head before leaving. So when I was listening to Shayna come out here and, and give this promo, all I kept thinking in the back of my mind, and as I'm watching the promo play out, holy crap, what a great babyface promo from Shayna. I mean, what? What's going on here? Shayna doesn't normally get a ton of promo time. But, man, she knocked it out of the park on this one. I love Shayna Baszler. Wait, I've talked about Shayna Baszler before. And, like, how much I love her. I think she's fan fantastic. And the fact that she got this amount of time on the microphone to put down Ronda Bloody Rousey. Like, are you kidding me? This is freaking great news for everybody who just wants to see the women's division just be elevated because this is the woman right here that you put on, you put it on the back of Sheena freaking Baszler is your absolute stud of a unit that you need to elevate everything and 
like going going back to Money in the Bank, like it was a really weird thing that had happened. Like everybody was just kind of caught off guard. There was there was a stumble back into the corner. There was a tag made. Ronda goes in to do what she needs to do, and then Shayna just immediately goes in and gets on the Kirafuda clutch. You're like, okay, yeah, cool. Why? Why, Shayna? What are you doing? What is the point? Not that we really care that much because you're beating up Ronda Rousey. Which, by the way, let me just face it, Ronda Rousey has put on excellent showings for the last, I don't know how many months. Anytime she's been in a ring with anybody, she sells like her life depends on it. She's really, really good. I just think that one element that she's never been able to kind of master has been the microphone. And I feel like that's where she and his sort of initial uh, comment really made me giggle. But uh, seeing these two, seeing these two ladies come to the ring, I'm a big, I'm a big Vegeta nerd. I love Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z. So seeing Rondo with the Majin Vegeta get up, I was like, yes. And then I look to the right, and I'm like, there's no shot. There is absolutely no shot. This woman is wearing what I think she's wearing, and I had to actually make sure I was, I was, uh, wasn't just seeing things. But Sheena was foreshadowing her betrayal. By wearing on some Warhammer 40k nerds, if you are if you are also wrestling nerds, will get this. Just wearing the colors of Horace Lupercar, who, uh, which I, I butchered that name, but yeah, still, he is the 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 first traitor of the Empire of Man, and kicked off the whole Horace heresy because he's a big traitorous bald git. Um, and he's just you know an absolute unit, and uh, yeah. Shayna is a huge Warhammer nerd. She has put Warhammer gear uh, on before. And I love the fact that, you know, she foreshadowed her own betrayal by, you know, using his colors, using the, you know, the, the eyes of Horus and stuff all over her gear. And I love to see this. I was like, okay, maybe there's, maybe there's some aspect of this beforehand. Like, no, there was literally nothing. So whenever she came down to the ring and said that, you know, I'm going to speak for everyone whenever, you know, I say we don't need to hear you on the mic. I was like, I'm listening. I am now thoroughly enjoying what you have to say, Horace. Please enlighten me some more. And it was just a fantastic promo. And I don't know what to say, PT, other than just please get an, rent out an octagon and let these two women beat the absolutely ever-loving tar out of each other. It would be great. Yeah, real quick on that note of Shayna and Ronda. Of course, if folks remember back with WrestleMania, the interaction with The Rock and Steph and Triple H, Ronda came out of the crowd and was famously wearing a Dragon Ball Z over 9,000 meme t-shirt. So, of course, that. And like you have mentioned, Shayna on numerous occasions has made allusions to Warhammer on her gear. So, both of these gals, they, they like what they like. They're a bit of... Uh, nerds and there's nothing wrong with that so it's all good we we appreciate that we like our wrestling but you and i also like some other things as well so we we pick up on things and we appreciate that but yeah once again the the promo itself from Shayna, as as i'm kind of thinking about it in the back of my mind she was getting some really good crowd reactions and that's really great to see we talked about it before here that man when you can get a really good promo, right? Some of the best promos themselves are when they have some truths. Really, the best promos resonate with people. And when you can go and folks hear it and they say, 
all right, where I understand your point. I get it. I'm actually listening to it, you know, and say, all right, cool. You know, that, that works for me. I'm understanding what you're saying and I'm with you on this. And the folks were resonating with that promo itself. And a lot of times too, for whatever reason, the Ronda Rousey WWE character, just for whatever reason, just never resonated with fans. And the character itself always just came off as a heel. So maybe that's just a little bit of what Stone Cold used to say, your personality in wrestling, you turn it up to the 10 or 11 dial. So that's usually kind of the best representation of yourself. So maybe it's one of those things that the Ronda Rousey WWE character is a little bit of the real Ronda and a little bit of the show Ronda. So maybe that's just kind of how she kind of comes across and then chooses to play off of crowds like that. But at the end of the day, man, Jaina Baszler being a babyface, it seems like the right choice in this instance. Oh, 100% agree. I, I can't agree any more than, than that. I feel like if there was one small tweak to to uh, Shayna's promo, it would be that I would make would it would be to just referencing that the character of Ronda Rousey, like the the WWE character of Ronda Rousey, because make no qualms about it, Ronda has worked her ass off in you know UFC and the the fighting and the and for women everywhere to break through in the the sport of fighting. I I can't take that away from her, you know she would literally rip my arm off and beat me to death with it. So, I mean, she is one of these people that you legitimately have to look at and go, you have done so well. But she came into the WWE on her name value, which is something that you just don't do for the fans of WWE. You have to pay your dues. They're very, they're very one-dimensional in the fact that if I don't know you, then what have you done for me to get to where you are. And that was the main thing. So if, if Shayna had to say, like, I, you know, I kicked the door down, you just came through the back door, based off the name value that you had somewhere else. And if she had to just add that little bit, she had to just reference the fact that you only got here because of who you are, not because of what you've done for this business that I love, that kind of thing. And that would have even got a more punchy reaction. And I was just like, going through her promo with her and she's just like just saying all this stuff i was like this is so good reference the fact that she just got it in her name and she's like just just do it just do it and she kind of you know hinted at it with the back door stuff and even calling her a narcissist at the start i feel like she was about to say something that wasn't for tv which is why she you're a narcissistic and then just kind of stopped and just kind of waited for a couple of seconds i felt like there was some expletives that were about to be uh, hurled on TV. Um, I, I just can't get over how good the promo was. And I've seen, um, you know, everybody has seen how good Shayna is in the ring. I keep going back to her Elimination Chamber performance from a few years ago, where she was just, she was a monster. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. <laughs> like, she was an absolute dominating force in that elimination chamber. And, you know, if we marry the two up, where has this perfect being been all this time in a floundering women's division? 
if we need somebody to fight Rhea, Rhea Bloody Ripley, it's Sheena freaking Baszler. And that is something I'm going to want to see at next year's WrestleMania make it freaking happen. Agreed. A lot of good points there. I'll, I'm in agreement that I will take nothing away from Ronda as an athlete. You don't get to go to the Olympics. You don't get to be a champion in a sport without being without being hardworking and just kind of putting in the work there. So, absolutely. And like you said, there's a lot of lot of history with uh, Shayna there, obviously with Ronda, including, and you know it's being played out. So like I'm down for it to get the opportunity to get this promo time if for a person we don't see doing promos. As well as, you know, that last point you said, a potential beast of a character in Shayna coming back to dominance and potentially fighting a Rhea Ripley. Rhea was the one who took the belt off Shayna in NXT, which kind of got Shayna an opportunity sort of to get onto the WWE Raw SmackDown kind of roster proper. But it's one of those where I think this is definitely a positive. And it's one of those where... Here's where I'm getting to. I circle back to get my point across. For Shayna to get a promo time, once again, for a person who doesn't get promos and an opportunity, and we're thinking about opportunities, it was one of the things that I think Ronda was pulling for. I pulled a little backstage ska here. According to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, WWE's original plan was to give Baszler a slow build and this is her match with Ronda, or her turn on Ronda, but injuries and the upcoming expiration of Rousey's contract caused the creative team to change plans. Quote, The Rousey and Baszler tag team put together for the storyline is a breakup and a feud. That dated back to when Rousey made the call of when she was leaving. It's not known the date, whether it's right after SummerSlam or they'll take the program longer. Rousey gave the office a finishing date of this run and asked to be put in a tag team with Baszler and to feud with her. Baszler helped Rousey greatly and really taught her a lot about pro wrestling. When the two lived together and would watch wrestling together and attend shows at PWG. So Rousey wanted to pay her back by giving her a program that she otherwise wasn't going to get. Between Rousey's injury and other changes with the office being slow to get it started, they had no time to really establish them as a tag team or do the traditional slow build that was the original idea. The idea was to give them a lengthy reign and then do the split, but that didn't work out. So, curtail into that, Rousey really going to bat for her really good friend Shayna, who is also extremely talented. I really like that essentially she wants to help her friend be successful, which is fantastic. Circle back to that Scott Hall. We want friends in the business or we want money. Hopefully we can have both in this instance, but looks like we're heading towards a match between Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler, which I am totally down for. Oh yeah, I'm I'm going to be down for that all day long. I want to know how much... Uh... How much, how much they're willing to be snug with each other, just for a sense of realism. Because both of like obviously, you know, we're not we're not in MMA here. We're not UFC. Uh, the fact that we're not going to be seeing those those punches and those actual knees to the nose, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
but I just wonder how well these women are, are you know kind of want to be snug with each other because that need around his face was hella snug. I felt that whenever that happened, I was like, oh, oh, actually, you know, side of my face kind of stings a wee bit. So it's going to be a brutal match. Um, I feel like there's going to be there's going to be pros and cons of the match. Um, and it's going to put uh, Shayna back in a position of absolute monster and dominance. It's going to be fantastic to see because she's going to be fighting someone who, by all accounts, is her equal in terms of combat experience. I feel like the, the one major drawback that we have to having a Ronda Rousey, to having a Shayna Baszler, is whenever you go into watching those matches, you see Ronda adopt this fighting stance. It's a very different thing from everyone, even Shayna herself. She doesn't adopt a fighting stance. She just kind of is there, and she's ready to start the match. But Ronda is hands up, ready to come out of the corner into your face. So having these two vicious fighters with that same mentality, I feel like we're going to get one hell of a women's match, not a wrestling match. It's just going to be a war. And, you know, if we, if we, if we kind of continue on down that road, we push Shayna up to this sort of storied height of being able to beat Ronda Rousey because let's face it, how else is this going to end? Uh, you know, you beat the baddest woman on the planet, Ronda Rousey, on her way out the door for this run, for, the, for her run on this stint in WWE. Like, there's no other, um, there's no other end to that saga for me. That has to be the way it is. And like, very few people have done that and been legitimately badasses. Like, not taking away anything from Liv Morgan, but her win was anything but decisive. So it's one of those that you look at it and you go, this one is going to be decisive. And it's really nice to see that Ronda Rousey, even though, yes, she came in the back door on her name value, she is willing and ready and able and in the position to be able to give her friend something that she wasn't going to get before. Agreed. The nature of opportunities for anybody in the business don't always come, and it's great to see that Rhonda, with the position that she's in, wants to help her friend and put her, like we talked about, and the perception is that maybe in an opportunity that Shayna was never maybe going to get. So at the end of the day, it gives an opportunity to have Shayna in a high-profile match, potentially at a pay-per-view, that she can continue to go from here and go on to bigger and better things. So I think it's going to be a net positive overall. All right, so those were our thoughts on the Shayna Baszler turning on Ronda Rousey angle, promo, and attack. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube. Or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what you think. If Shayna is going to come out and beat the tar out of Ronda, is she going to win? Is Shayna going to eventually become the beast she once was in NXT? Let us know what you think. All right, the next topic we're going to talk about here, MJF and Adam Cole, a partnership in AEW. On this past week's episode of 
AEW Dynamite. We saw the team of MJF and Adam Cole defeat The Butcher and Daddy Magic Matt Menard in a blind eliminator tag team tournament first round matchup. That was a lot to say. I had to write that down. But post-match, we see MJF put himself over as well as Cole. Nice to see that. Friedman asked Cole if they should do another bro session this weekend, to which Cole ultimately relents and agrees. Before leaving, MJF wishes Adam Cole a happy birthday, complete with a Tron graphic, some streamers, and a birthday cake. MJF would try to push Cole's face into the cake, but Cole ends up having Max take the cake spot. Winding down the segment, Cole says, with all sincerity, this was very nice, and he thanks, he thanks MJF and calls Max a friend. Joker, we've seen a lot of odd couple slash feuding partners slash competitors being put in a tag team before. This is definitely a tried and true trope in professional wrestling. And in this instance, MJF and Adam Cole definitely are making this work. Oh, you have no idea, PT, because there have been tweets since we started recording that I have been keeping an eye on that I will have to let you know about in a wee minute. These boys are just so good. You have MJF, who is doing a lot of really good work in terms of, you know, trying to make himself that super, super ish eating uh grin heel like he, he's just that guy and uh he's he's doing that by dangling the carrot in front of people and then taking it away and in this regard he's doing what he's done before and he's buddying up to this person because the situation allows it this this blind ta eliminator tag thing and we've seen through the week that um you know they've been to the gym together i've even seen uh MJF has resubbed Adam Cole's Twitch. Uh, he's he's been sending he's been sending messages on the on the, on Twitch to him, which is blooming hilarious as well. And even right now, uh, you know, Max just tweeted out. Well, he tweeted out about half an hour ago. Now he tweeted out, "Hey, I've got some bad news. Was so excited to wrestle Big Bill and Cage this week. Unfortunately." I've come down with something and I'm violently ill playing off what happened to Adam Cole, you know, at the at Forbidden Door. I wish my tag partner and close friend Adam all the best. Pray for me and my health. Love y'all. Only for uh only for Adam Cole to come back and quote retweet and say, Max, shut the up. You're coming to TV. And then that was it. <laughs> so Max replied to that and said, Yes, it's only cool when you get to do it. Fine. You're going to wear the shirt, though, right? So that's where we are currently. These boys banter from back and forth on Twitter. And it's just one of those things that uh, I love to see the bands. Like, they're, they're so unserious. And like you said, the odd couple kind of vibe has worked before. Uh, you know, Team Hell No, for example, kind of uh, always springs to mind when we think of odd couple. Um, and there's obvious other ones, but that one just forever sticks in my mind. And this one will probably now start to stick in my mind as well, because it's just uh, Max is so good at that character work, and he makes you uh, he makes you equal parts believe and hit him. 
once again, these guys knocking it out of the park. And it's a play on how much they can be really good characters. And you just excellently walked us through some of that. The most recent interactions, I just have a, a quick list here. That promo with Cole ultimately getting that shot and challenging MJF was a really good promo. The 30-minute time limit draw match that they had, once again, they can go as well. The follow-up promo where they both told Tony Schiavone uh, to shut up when they told him them they were going to be a team. The backstage with Renee and with MJF initiating the Bro Weekend and getting the merch. The aforementioned segment I just read off. The vignette of them training at the gym. They have this thing where they're solid in the ring enough and have really strong character work. That they can be good on the mic, they can be good in the ring, they can be entertaining. And it's just one of those where if you're going to have these extra elements, like we're having the vignettes, the promos, the... Oh man, speaking of Twitch, there was the quick video, I think, of Max ended up calling Adam Cole while he was live streaming. And essentially he's just like, Max, boundaries... Let's talk about this offline. I'm streaming right now. We we can't do this now. I'm going to hang up. So you can see that whether or not this was a Tony Khan booking thing or this was something that they ended up having creative input on, they're knocking it out of the park. Fans are enjoying it. The reactions are getting within matches against one another or teaming up or the segments, I'm sure the views on social media are getting really good responses, but there's something that's really working well between these two. This is definitely their creative input on this. Like it I, I feel like Max is probably the one to sort of say, This is all the stuff we can do. Are you good with this? And Adam's just been like, Yeah, yeah, I think that would actually be cool. We haven't really done this stuff because like they were working out in the gym. Well, I don't advocate making fun of anybody in the gym. You really shouldn't do that. Mind your own business in the in the gym. Max starts on some guy who's working out behind them, and Adam says, "No, don't don't say that. You know, you're not. No, that's that's not cool." But then they both turn and look at him. Goes, but he does look like Tony Schiavone, and they make fun of him for that. So like, okay, cool, yeah. Why I'm not okay with making fun of him, but they still kind of come together on their hatred of Tony Schiavone which was kind of underplayed uh, whenever Adam Cole came back after his injury. And I'd like to see that being played up a bit more because it was always a really weird interaction whenever Britt was with, was with uh, Shivani getting interviewed and, and Adam Cole would just turn up and be like, what are you doing, Tony? Go away. And all this here. So it's, it's, it's really, really fun to see them both bonding over that shared hatred of Tony Skiavon, um, which uh, you know has, has led to their online uh tweet fest which now max is asking can we at least hit the double clothesline so uh things are progressing well for this team of uh max and uh, adam and uh yeah it's uh it's definitely fun to see while it lasts agreed it's one of those where like you said they bonded over something whether accidentally or inadvertently their displeasure for tony shivani so when they have a common ground you can plant the seeds to sow into something potentially beautiful that grows into a plant. 
But this pairing itself, during our pre-production call yesterday, made both of us think of the pairing that MJF had with Chris Jericho during the Inner Circle. It has very much those sort of vibes from the character work, at least, we'll say that. We all know how that ended. But that's not to say that it's maybe a full rehash of any stretch, but we get the inclination that MJF's trying to work Cole and that Cole at least is not a dumb babyface-esque type character where he doesn't see it. He realizes that and he's being cautious as well. So he's wise to Max's conniving ways, if you will. But on that note, Yoga, how do you see this playing out? How do you see the blow-off happening? Do you see maybe like a Max turning on Cole? Do you see maybe Cole just being like, I'm done with you, Max? Do you have any kind of idea? I can only really say how I'd prefer it to happen. Sure. Um, because like it, it is one of those things that we see always see Max with the upper hand. And he's always the one to have that last laugh. Um, as we've seen before in their match, Max won because of time limit, etc. And it's one of those that you look at and go, he's always had that upper hand. Well, how about we give that to Adam Cole? Because like, I, I do want to see Adam beat MJF. I want, I want it to be Adam Cole to win the title from MJF. That's how I want it to happen. Now it's a case of how long are we willing to put up with that to make that happen. Um, and I feel like the one thing that we could possibly do is have Adam Cole set up MJF for their eventual loss in the, in the, the tag team tournament and have MJF get pinned, only for then so the person who pins him to be like, well, I pinned the champ. I deserve a title shot. And then for it to be like, well, no, I don't, he, he costs me, blah, 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 for him. And then Tony Khan makes the, makes the match. We get a little short feud between the person who pins MJF. MJF ultimately comes out on top, only for Adam Cole to be completely pestering him the entire time in a sort of role reversal as to now and for Cole to then get the t the title shot and to then win the title. It will be one of those things that would be really cool to see, like we have seen before, where MJF has been taking what is advantageous to his uh, opponent and flipping it and being better at it or succeeding at it. Uh, so it's one of those things that I would like to see then Adam Cole be super conniving and, and sneaky and you know sort of underhanded and win uh beat max at his own game it'd be nice to change the formula a little bit even with all from what we've seen of max even if it's his world title run the interference with william regal in the moxley match to win the title the shenanigans and ultimately underhanded tactics with the Brian Danielson match. It's always of when Max wins or loses because of his presence and his character work and all the things he ends up becoming sort of the bigger moment or taking away. You remember it more so for him, even than that, that loss to Wardlow before his time away. Wardlow won the match. He got a graphic. He's all elite. You know, everything was kind of for that. But we remember more so from that weekend where 
Max was like, I'm not going to show up to the meet and greet and all this stuff. So it was more about a Max story than it was for Wardlow, unfortunately. That notwithstanding, I'd be open to seeing a little bit of change of the character and to have a sort of smarter baby face not be perplexed and not be overtaken by the MJF character. So maybe it's one of those where MJF comes away, excuse me, Adam Cole comes away with the victory, maybe via DQ or a countout, so we don't type of thing, but then, I don't, you know, so just maybe change it up a little bit. Obviously, we don't want a schmoz, but hey, let's, I feel like changing the formula up a little bit, giving Cole a little bit of an advantage would help character development for both. I agree. It's, it is definitely something that, uh, we need smarter baby faces in the, in the industry. Not the ones who are constantly surprised. Oh no, I trusted the bad guy and now I have been betrayed. Hmm, who could have seen that coming? Definitely not me. You should cheer for me more because I'm like you. And everybody's like, nah, we wouldn't have fallen for that. What do you mean you're just like us? Go away. You suck now. But we definitely need some sort of uh, improvement to the babyface uh, mentality and kind of getting one over on the ultimate heel, which, let's face it, in this current industry, uh, across all companies, I think everybody can agree MJF is the top heel in the game. I don't include Roman Reigns in that because I actually don't know what he is. Um, He's kind of a tweener because people still want to cheer him and love him, whereas everybody just hates Max or loves to hate Max. And... uh, it's just one of those things that I look at and go, "Yeah, he's ready for a, he's ready for his comeuppance." Let's uh, let's give him a fall from grace. And I like Adam Cole, so let's give it to Adam Cole. Fair play. There's a lot of good character work, like we talked about. It's engaging. It might be short-lived, perhaps, with an all-out and or an all-in coming up within the next month, month and change time, but. We'll see how things play out, but I am probably looking forward to just more shenanigans from the two of them. We pretty much know it's going to be entertaining. I mean, yeah, 100% it is. All right, so those were our thoughts on MJF and Adam Cole's partnership. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what you think and your thoughts on. If Adam Cole and MJF are going to ultimately be best friends, are they going to bro it out, or they are going to be at each other's throats? Let us know down in the comments below. And what should their musical number be? All right, the final topic we are going to cover here on today's episode is the trial of the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. On WWE Friday Night SmackDown, the Usos make their entrance and get on the mic. Jimmy talks about how they said Roman Reigns can't be beat, but guess what happened at Money in the Bank, baby? He got beat. One, two, three. Enter. Paul Heyman flanked by Solo Sokoa. Heyman gives himself an introduction and says he serves as defense counsel in this tribal trial. And he offers defense number one, but the Usos tell him to shut his mouth. 
Heyman says there's only one man in WWE that can get him to stop talking. Solo puts his hand on Heyman's mic, takes it from Heyman, and throws it down. Enter the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Roman stands in a hostile ring as you got pinned chance rain down. Roman demands that Madison Square Garden acknowledge him, and he says that, yeah, he got pinned, but he's still the tribal chief. Roman reminds the Usos that neither of them are the tribal chief, and he's having trouble understanding why he's here. Roman didn't call for tribal court, so this isn't legitimate, and his time is being wasted. Roman asks who has the authority to put him on trial, but the Usos aren't playing his game, and they won't be manipulated like every other time. They present a video package of Roman's manipulative machinations. Reigns watches it and seems confused and hurt, saying he didn't want to be that guy, but he was forced to be that guy. Roman didn't want to lower himself, but he did it for Jay and for Jimmy and for all the people in the crowd. Roman says he was a WrestleMania main eventer before the bloodline and he bent his moral compass for the family to represent them, and this is what he gets? The Usos compile footage of his worst moments to embarrass him? Roman's daughter is in the back looking at him and not understanding who he is because of them. Roman takes the weight of the world, and he lifts them all up. He has five kids. Do you really think he needed to take on theirs, too? Roman doesn't need this in his life. He doesn't need money or power. Right about now, umbrella service sounds real nice to him. Roman doesn't want it. He doesn't need it. He's done with all of it. Roman takes his lay off and holds it in front of Jay, shaking and getting choked up as he puts it around Jay's shoulders, ceding the position of tribal chief. Roman takes the Universal Championship off and slings it aside, kneeling in front of Jay, racked with sobs, actually crying, prompting Jay to reach down and console him. And Reigns gives Jay a low blow. Jimmy's had enough and tees off on Roman, putting boots to him until Solo pulls him away and puts him down with a Samoan spike. Sokoa grabs the lay and stares at it briefly until Roman approaches and holds out his hand. Solo hesitates for a moment. Jay wipes them both out. Solo pulls him away. Spinning Solo takes Jay down. Roman hits a Superman punch on Jimmy and goes to the floor, clubbing away at Jimmy as Sokoa clears the announce desk. Jay tries to save his brother, but Solo lights him up. Solo tangles Jay in the ropes, and Roman blasts Jimmy with the title, hammering him over and over. Roman takes the steel steps and smashes Jimmy with them. Finally, Jay breaks free of the ropes and attacks, but he's easily overwhelmed and thrown over the announce table. Roman tells Solo to finish him. He draws Jimmy up, Reigns buries Jay in office furniture, Road agents Adam Pierce, Jason Jordan, and Sean Devari are at ringside to tell him off, but they can't change fate. Solo splashes Jimmy through the announce desk. 
Paul Heyman then pulls the lay back on the tribal chief and Roman holds the titles high. To end the show, Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman, and Solo Sokoa once again are in the ring together and Roman gets on the mic. Roman says we're going to do this one more time and demands Madison Square Garden and all of New York acknowledge him. Jey Uso then makes his entrance through the crowd. Solo goes to the outside to cut Jay off, but Jay takes Solo out. Jay slides in the ring with a chair and beats Roman down. Jay lines up for another chair shot, but Solo interferes and gets taken out himself as the tribal chief runs away. Jay picks up the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship and gets on the mic. Roman tells him to put that title down. Jay says, you're looking at the judge. Jury and executioner right now. Now he has to get Roman. And this is a trial by combat now. Jay doesn't give a damn about brothers or wise men. He just wants Reigns one-on-one so he can whoop his ass one more time. Roman fumes. Well, looks like we might have the next challenger for Mr. Roman Reigns Tribal Chief, WWE Undisputed Universal Heavyweight Champion, WWE Champion, Universal Champion, Champion of the World, perhaps, Joker. Jay looked good holding up one singular golden belt, didn't he? That visual was very nice. It's not bad. He looked pretty dang good holding that belt in the middle of that ring. If he had just held it up, I'd have actually, you know, I'd have been so happy. I'd have been the one little thing that, you know, it would have been super good. He just laid it down as trial by combat and judge, jury, and executioner. It was so good. It was such an impassioned promo. One thing that I always sort of sit on the fence about is how much passion jay puts into his uh his promos sometimes there can be a wee bit too much and it feels like he gets away from the point much like me when i ramble um but you know at least you know there's millions of people watching him there's only like five people watch me when i do it um so i mean you know it's it's one of those things we've been doing it now um but it looks like we we have got this next challenger and we kind of thought that this is the way that it was going to go with how, you know, stuff was happening. Um, I'm, I'm okay with this. Are you, are, you, are you okay with this? Honestly, yeah. We've, you've talked and you've brought it up a couple different times on previous episodes about the early stages of Roman once he got that Universal Championship and when he was becoming really comfortable in that tribal chief character and you call back to that hell in a cell match against jay and that and that jimmy interference and sort of those little seeds are sown and now we've seen all this flash forward two and a half almost three years later there's been so much interaction and kind of story beats and and the more recent revelations that jay is the next tribal chief deal all those things considered the story is there. Obviously, we can talk at nauseum and perhaps another time whether or not it's Jay that ultimately dethrones. But man, I think from a story perspective, and and at no disrespect to Jimmy, but it 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 feels like this is this is the Jay Jay thing to fight 
at least, and I'll position my words very specifically and carefully for Roman to fight Jay. That's where the story feels like it, and it, and it's navigated towards that. And I'm I'm engaged, and I'd be down to see it. So yeah, I agree. I'm I'm interested. So yet again, I'm going to kind of give people a little bit of history, um, as to just just really really briefly. Two years ago, during the Thunderdome era, we had this match between Jay Uso and Roman Reigns. Jay was trying to get Roman to come to his senses, stop being such an evil, uh, an evil, evil person. Uh, and Jimmy, at this point, was out with an injury. He was, uh, he was off skis. He wasn't there. So that's why Jay was being promoted as this sort of, uh, this sort of rival. This, and uh, he was being elevated to main event Jay Uso. And we had this Hell in a Cell match between Jay and Roman, where it ended up with Roman just telling Jay to acknowledge him because he is his tribal chief and Jay wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it at all. And I've mentioned this several times before. It took Jimmy coming in to save his brother from a beating and then get turned on for Jay to finally relent and say, yes, I'll acknowledge you. I quit. I give up. Whatever you need, you're the tribal chief. And that's how this all started. Jay was protecting Jimmy. That's what Jay does. He protects family. So for him to say in this promo, I don't care about brothers, I don't care about this, no. This man is pushed beyond a breaking point right now because they injured Jimmy. He has, as far as, I, as, far as I'm aware, Jimmy has been written off TV for the foreseeable. Uh, for whatever for whatever reason that that is, you know, maybe it's it is just pure story. Maybe there's something else that he needs to do. Uh, at this point, I have no idea. But um, that really leads into the fact that I want to see Jay get his ass beat from now until their match. You know, whether it be by Solo, whether it be by Roman, by both of them, whatever it is. Only for Jimmy to come back at the final moment, whenever Solo's about to interfere in their match. This, this is this is perfect Joker fantasy booking. This is kind of what I want. This will never happen, kind of did, you know. Jimmy comes back at that final moment, stops Solo, beats Solo down. Jay crawls over for the pin. One, two, three, beats Roman. Finally lays the rest. The demons that you know that he couldn't get it done beforehand, but he had to do it, and everything that needs to be done. It's a it's a solid victory for Jay, and we lay it all to rest. That's that that would be perfect Jay scenario. It's not going to happen, but that'd be fantastic to see. And I feel like that's what we're laying up towards. Uh, maybe not that kind of outcome, but definitely a surprise Jimmy comeback uh, to protect his brother from being beaten down like he did before, only for it to maybe happen again, and maybe actually history repeats itself, where, you know, we have Jay and Jimmy both being beaten down by Roman and Solo. Probably what's going to happen, honestly. Um, but before all of that happens, I wonder how Solo's feeling today, because, like, Jay went to town with that chair on his brother, on his younger brother. Eight, eight years difference between them? And he just absolutely went to town. I was like, okay, calm down. He doesn't owe you that much money. 
like he's your little brother calm down buddy but uh yeah way to way to go for solo taking those chair shots instead of roman uh, way to go roman being on hail just kind of getting out of dodge and letting your man take those shots it, it they're setting it up so well um that i'm going to be happy with the, i'm just happy the fact that we're getting this match um and we're seeing the possibility of a conclusion and then i'm going to be interested as to how we're going to move from there to the rumored wrestlemania 40 main event yeah, I, in terms of the Jimmy, I think it's more so the storyline thing of a, a one of the partners in a tag team being out so that the other person can go after like a singles title. So hopefully it's just more so with that. But yeah, we talked about it at nauseum. Guys are really going to bat for one another just with their their promo work and their intensity and the willingness to sell for one another and really go in on these stories. So it's doing phenomenal work. The notion of Jay possibly having another match with Roman. We saw those years ago. It was, what, 2020? We've seen Kevin Owens in the interim time between that match and right now has gotten number of matches against Roman in that period. So, I mean, we've spaced out a rematch for well over two plus years at this point. So I'm not mad at it. You know, we've had other people face Roman in multiple times within that time frame. So a little bit of a fresh, seems like it plays into the story in your booking. We don't know if it's exactly going to go how we think it's going to be laid out in your booking plans, in your playbook. But it seems like, based on your thoughts, Jay is going to finish the story. Interesting. I wouldn't be mad at that. But there's also the very last thing you mentioned. There are rumors. Oh, how we love the rumor. Rumor Mill is going rapid that another future matchup between the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes and the Tribal Chief might happen at the next WrestleMania 40. I'm trying to remember because 39 was earlier this year. WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia that might end up happening. So... There's a lot of time between now, which there is at the time of recording, it's July, and a potential March and April time frame. A lot of things can happen. But, you know, I think it's one of those, when we ultimately decide to take the title off Roman, whether that's by a member of his family, whether that's by a conquering, defeated foe from his past, whether that's somebody brand new, whatever it is, let's hopefully make that the championship elevates that person. It's put in good hands. We have good creative going forward for challengers for that person. Essentially, the story makes sense, and Roman can kind of do his things whenever and wherever that might be. Let's make sure that we capitalize on the person that defeats Roman for that title. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that that is hopefully the game plan that moving forward between now and WrestleMania 40, we actually have six PLEs, premium live events, pay-per-views, whatever you want to call them. So, that is a grand total of about two title defenses for Roman. If that two two's a lot in, in six well, PLEs/8 well, slash slash months. 
yeah, yeah. I'm already including the title defense that he has against Jay. So there's one. So we've got one more out of the remaining five. Uh, the likelihood is that will probably be at the Royal Rumble. So, you know, there, there's, there's, we've got like a remaining four. He's definitely not going to be a Survivor Series this year. Uh, you know, there's a couple of other ones that he's probably not going to be at. Um, we can we can joke all day, but this is legitimately Roman's truth. It is uh, in the time it took for him to have an actual uh, match. We had almost two pay per views since WrestleMania. Like he 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 just took like three months off just because he could. He's the champ. He can do that. He's 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 worked to do that. That's fine. So the one thing that we really have to do is even after this next uh, this next PLE on August 5th uh we have uh we have September we have one in October and we have one in November so we've three after the next after the next few this year i can guarantee you that he's not going to be doing anything at survivor series so that's the November PLE completely out of the books so he is probably going to go from October to possibly February without a title defense and a PLE. That's a long time. So we have a long time to build to then April or whoever is going to be the the next person to take on Roman Reigns. It just doesn't make sense to me to have him defend at Royal Rumble. That would be a Seth thing. It doesn't make sense to me for him to be really anywhere near Elimination Chamber, but we would have to have him defend just before, or be at least be seen just before WrestleMania. So we're really talking about Payback later this year. Uh, we're talking about uh, SummerSlam, which he's already got on, um, and anything else we have, whatever the, the other two are. Well, the other one is. So it's, it's, it's one of those that we have all this time to build somebody else up, but then we have to remember that we have to uh, build Cody back up and give him a reason. As much as I love Cody, there's no shot he's winning the Rumble this year. So we have to get him into a legitimate storyline with Roman Reigns. And that's going to take some doing considering they're on two different shows. If that's the way they want to go at WrestleMania, of course. Anyway else, we have plenty of time to build somebody else up. If that's Jay, if that's Solo, if that's LA Knight, you know, if it's Seth and we're doing a whole whoever wins gets both belts again kind of deal, then, you know, it's whatever. But it's definitely, there is a lot of time. Uh, we just have to do it right. But after this Jimmy, feud, Jimmy J and Solo Roman feud, we are now going to have to start looking outside of the bloodline for our contenders. Really quick to address the, the Cody piece. We can have the Royal Rumble winner face off against the World Heavyweight Champion. Cody can be in the Elimination Chamber for a shot at Roman's title. That's how he wins that. That's how he gets to challenge. So they, we can make that work, essentially. But mm. the... The first point you were just mentioning that looks like we may, at the time of recording, we have not confirmed a match at SummerSlam for Roman and Jay, but looks like we're going towards, looks like like we're going in that direction. As much as I want to 
be a troll and jokingly, you know, make fun, your notion of we may have a defense at SummerSlam, we might have one more before the year's end, and then have a possible Royal Rumble or Elimination Chamber and then a Mania. As much as I want to have kind of fun and, and kind of go on a diatribe, it's probably a strong, realistic piece that, you know, it is what it is. We had a defense at Mania. We probably are going to have a match at SummerSlam. Maybe one more match before the year's end. And then on to the new year. And it's crazy. It is what it is. I mean, taking nothing away from Roman Reigns, you know, he's... He's earned it, and WWE is comfortable with having him be in a situation like that, being the title holder. With all due respect, I mean, if I wasn't defending the title, I can get days as a champion. And that's just a shot at the booking. That's not a shot at Roman, per se. He's he's doing what the booker man tells him. But, mm-hmm. yeah, man, it's very much a reality. You know, uh, by the time Mania rolls around, do we... Do we finish a story? Do we finish the story? Where do we go? But you're right. After the next piece of this sort of mini bloodline interlusion, we do need to think about a next possible for the late year and then a potential person for the early year and then a person for Rumble. So we've got some time. Let's figure it out. Let's let's capitalize on somebody getting a title shot. And let's mm. make it the right circumstances as we were hearkening back to our earlier topic. Yeah, and the one that I forgot was actually Fastlane in October. So we've got SummerSlam in August, Payback in September, Fastlane in October. We actually have a Crown Jewel that hasn't been finalized in November, pre-Survivor Series, as we normally do. And then we have Survivor Series. So like... Do we see Roman having another match on Payback or Fastlane? I don't know. I don't feel like they're the big PLEs. Uh, the Survivor Series ones, definitely, but I just don't see him having a match on that card because, uh, you know, it's too close to Christmas and he needs to tend to his five kids and, you know, maybe the rest of the bloodline. Now so, that you, you know. mentioned that, the thing that makes the most sense is the next Saudi show because the Saudis pay big money and they probably want yep. Roman to show up. And that means that'll probably be just a random person off the card like we had with Logan Paul, who had no build. Oh, by the way, I have a thing I can knock you out. And we had like three weeks of build up to the Saudi show. So that's whenever I saw the Saudi show, I was like, that's probably where we're going to see it. Which means it's not going to be, to use the comic book term, in canon. It's not really going to be a canon defense for him. It's kind of just out there happening. Um, So yeah. Definitely can't see the, the match SummerSlam being accepted. Uh, I don't see why not. He has been shamed in the eyes of the people. He needs to put, uh, needs to put Jay in his place uh, and then possibly pay back fastly. And I'm like, I don't see him doing anything on those two PLEs. And then we have, uh, like you said, the possibility of uh, Crown Jewel being the location of the, the final Roman defense. It's like, we it, it might sound like we're 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 sliding Roman Reigns here, but that is legitimately how he goes at this point in his career. He has got a contract where this happens. We just have to guess: can we fit all of his all of his events on one hand, or do we go for six? You know what I mean? Like, there's that 
one opportunity. He's not doing any more than that. He's had what? Elimination. He's had he's had Rumble, Elimination Chamber, Mania, and then he had Money in the Bank, the Saudi show, Saudi show. There's five, and now presumably SummerSlam. There's six. There's a possibility of six, maybe seven events this year he's doing. Like, that's nuts. It's it's good. It would be it'd be good to get his money for doing doing what he's doing. Anybody on that uh, on that card would be happy to be doing as few dates, and he has earned that. And this is the problem I have with him holding the belt. It does nothing for the championship. And that's the one drawback and problem I have with Roman's reign. We've talked about it once again. We're not sliding Roman. He got the contract. He's in a situation to sit in comfortably. The, the creative and the management decided to put the title on him. He's making it work, and he's, you know, he's doing a, a fine job with the segments and stuff like that, but he's got a sweet deal, and it's really on the booking team and the leadership to have decided that even though you know, we've allowed him to go part-time, send a third, we're still going to keep him as champion, and then we'll figure it out from there, which is why, really, Hunter was kind of half-shooting, but he was just like, you know, we had to make this other world title because like, this other one just isn't there, and it's kind of on the management's fault because of that, so it is what it is. It is something we have been saying for a long time. Shouldn't have given him the two belts. A big mistake. Agreed. One last thing I'll mention a very, very briefly. As I was watching the segment, I watched it on a replay. They, outside of a quick commercial break for Roman's entrance, they ended up going to full commercial around roughly after the 31 minute mark, which if you were watching it live, it was probably more likely around the 35 to almost maybe 40 minute mark on SmackDown. That's kudos to the WWE because when you watch live, man, and I've watched it, and I get frustrated because the, the intermittent breaking of going to ad breaks, hot dang, they will go to ad breaks on the regular, sometimes every four to five minutes within a match sometimes or between segments. So the, them being reserved and allowing the actual segment to go on was kind of mind-boggling to not, I think... You know, in the next match, I think it was Shamo and uh, somebody as well, Austin Theory. They mm-hmm. they had crazy amount of ad breaks. It was like, we got to make up for all the advertising money we got to get in. So everybody else is going to be cut because of that. But it is what yeah. it is. But at least at least they let it ride is my point. So that's crazy because they don't do that very, very often. But interestingly enough, like we talked about, Lots of things going on with the bloodline and these guys, once again, final thoughts is they do really good uh, in terms of bringing emotion into it and they got us hooked and we're looking like we want to see what's happening next, at least for the next time when they have a segment. We try to figure out who's going to get emotional, who's going to get beat down seems to be a recurring thing with the bloodline but it is what it is let us know down in the comment section below on youtube hit us up on twitter instagram and let us know what you thought of the segment if you think jay and roman are actually gonna happen who you might think come out of this and 
Let's see who the next challenger, perhaps, for the champion might be after a SummerSlam match. To paraphrase everybody on the internet, this is cinema. All right. For those that are still with us, we appreciate you listening and watching. A lot of things covered today. Folks fighting amongst their groups. Friends turning on one another, new partnerships and suspicious characters, and relationships being formed, and family fighting amongst one another. A lot of things going on in the wrestling world this week, Joker. Yeah, you kind of look at everything and you go, oh, there's nothing on, there's nothing happening, there's nothing. You gotta look for some of the stuff you do. Um, whenever you, whenever you find what resonates with you, it, it can mean the world. Uh, especially whenever you see some new stuff happening and people getting the shots that they were always meant to get. I think that's sort of a running theme with Damien Priest, with Shayna Baszler, with uh, with Jey Uso, predominantly those three people that we've talked about tonight, getting shots that they feel like now that they're in those shots, it's been a long time coming and they deserve they deserve it, and uh, it's just been fantastic. And again, even with uh, Adam Cole, just long-time injury, sort of being uh, being back in the scene, now he's getting that main event shot again. So it's definitely been a recurring theme of just find what, uh, find what resonates with you, and um, yeah, whenever, uh, whenever it comes around, just take, uh, take advantage of what we've got now. That's a little happy accident that I didn't realize until you put it all together for me. A little common thread is the folks that are finally getting their due and getting an opportunity that folks really have gotten behind and thought, you know what, I enjoy this person's work and now I'm seeing those people finally get the chance. So actually, appreciate you putting that together for me. I um, sometimes thought uh, coming to you with some pearls of wisdom. There it is. So lots of things building, lots of longer kind of story time in and outside of the ring being presented and put into the creative here. So I'm kind of digging what we've got going on right now. Lots of build. Hopefully we see good payoffs is ultimately what we talked about and is the other common thread that we mentioned here. We want to see things work out well for all the folks within the stories that we looked at today. All right, so we're going to wind on out of here. Thank you so much for listening and watching. So for TF Joker. These have been the facts of life. Yeah. And for me, Pretty Tony, we thank you for your time and letting us be a part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other, and we will catch you next time. Peace.